Welcome to Road Noise. Buckle up as we explore God's faithfulness, reflecting on 50 years of full-time ministry. We're taking lessons from the unique life and ministry of Sheldon and Victoria Rhodes as they share the gospel crisscrossing North America. I'm your host, Kedron Rhodes, and each episode, I sit down with my dad, Sheldon, and we travel back in time, retracing the lessons God was teaching and mapping them to life today. This scenery may have changed, but God's faithfulness remains the same. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Road Noise. All right, know where we're going? Let's go. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Road Noise. Uh, Dad and I are glad you're joining us, and uh, we enjoy these conversations, and we're hoping you enjoy them uh, even just half as much as we are. That would be a big win. Um, if you are catching up with us, uh, you know that the, here in season four, Mom and Dad are readjusting to life in Michigan, and that's a big change from starting a family up in Alaska and kind of reacclimating to the lower 48 and restarting ministry and the whole deal. And that's kind of where we're, we left off. They're kind of cutting ties with, uh, with the last pieces of Alaska was selling their house and new puppet stages under construction and lots under uh, lots underway. And we're probably what kind of spring ish of 78 somewhere in there. Yes. Yep. Be the spring of 78. And things are falling in place. Uh, you know, I'm still um, kind of scrambling, trying to put food on the table as far as uh, having jobs and so forth. But uh, we know where we're headed. At least the puppet stage is almost finished and starting to put some meetings on the calendar and so forth. So, you know, the the question as to why leave Alaska, you know, is so that... We could get back to Michigan so that we could be where churches were closer together and so that we could be full-time um, in the ministry. So the so that is coming together, but there's still uh, still the idea of having to put food on the table and pay some rent. And remember I said this um, duplex we're living in had these really cool features. Yep. <laughs> you know, or you turn the knob and you get heat or you turn these other knobs and you get running water. Some is hot, some is cold, but someone's got to pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> yep, doesn't come for free. It doesn't. So, you know, so while you're going through that, trying to make your way, you know, to that actual point where it can be full-time, you know, how do you know, how do you navigate that? Because there's still some questions there. You know, things are, are falling in place, but still, did you do the right thing? Did you make the right decision? And if we think way back, um, one of the real early episodes of the podcast, I shared with you um, the three basic ways that I feel God speaks to us. And so how do we know God's will? Well, we look at what talents and gifts, abilities we have. Um, other people will help, you know, God will use other people to direct us uh, down the path that we're to go. But um, one of the main ways I feel that he directs us is through his word. Yep. And so when you... On this springtime, as we're still trying to get all the pieces together, you just have to rely back on what did God's word say. And in a later episode, I shared with you how that we had a map of the United States that we spread out. And we started praying over that map and just saying, 
Lord, where do you want us to go? You know, we're open. We're not really tied down to any particular place. It'd be nice if wherever you want us would speak English (laughs) and uh, so forth. And, and we had narrowed it down to basically three places and ended up with Lansing. But um, how do you know? How do you know it's time to leave and move on? How do you know when to invite somebody, you know, everybody from church over and say, hey, make an offer on anything we have? How do you know? Well, that goes back to God's word. And so as we're praying over the map, we're also looking through the Bible and asking God to direct us to a passage that would speak directly to us, directly to our needs and expose his will to us. And that passage showed up in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, verse 45, that uh, whole section in there where Jesus is talking and he's saying, the kingdom of God is like, mm-hmm. and then he gives us some examples. And in verse 44, verse 45 there, he's talking about um, someone who finds a, a treasure that's buried in a field and they understand the value of that. But at that point, it's totally out of reach. They know where it's at. They know what it's worth, but it's not attainable until they make the decision to sell everything that they have so that they finally have enough money to buy that field and take possession of the that treasure, whatever it was. Uh, we've got the same type of story then in verse 45, where Jesus talks about, um, again, talking about the kingdom, but about a, a pearl. This very rare, very valuable pearl that this individual wants. And again, he knows where it's at, but doesn't have the money. And so what does he have to do? Well, same thing with the guy with the field. You've got to sell everything in order to have this pearl of great price. And so that's the passage that God used to tell us, okay, you know what we're talking about here. We're talking about being full-time in this puppet ministry. That's where I want you to be, but it's not obtainable right now. It's totally out of your reach. The place you're living, the churches are too far apart. Uh, They're all in this very exclusive denomination. And to be what I want you to be, it's not attainable here. You're going to have to relocate. Okay, so what's that going to take? Well, you're going to have to sell everything and make the move. Okay, well, if that's what's required, I mean, going back to the the passage, you know, these two individuals had to decide, okay, is this really what I want? Yeah. Do I really want this piece of property? Do I really want this pearl? I mean, do I want it that bad? And if the answer is yes, well, then you sell everything and make take the steps to make it happen. And so being convinced that, yes, God really did want us full time in this type of a ministry and that it was not going to be obtainable where we were at, then that's when you invite everybody from church over and say, make an offer. And that's when you put your wife and kids on a plane and with $50 left, you drive the Alaska highway <laughs> with a standard oil credit card. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And so I feel like when we left, you know, when Dan flew up there and we left the next day, when we left, if you or anybody else would have asked, have you done that? Have you sold everything? And the answer would have been, yeah. I mean, here's what we got for it. There was just enough money for these plane tickets and $50 cash. Yeah, we did it. We're committed. We're driving the Alaska highway first week of January. Yes, we did that. And I think I would have said that in good confidence. Little did I realize that, no, we hadn't done that yet. 
Mm. We still had a wooden tent. Yeah. And we still thought that that was sold, but then we find out that it wasn't. <laughs> and so that takes us back to last week's um, podcast. You know, we're, it took God six months to sell that thing. And when we did, or when he did, um, we ended up with no money. We walked away from it. <coughs> but I think it's at that point that we had fulfilled that command of sell everything and pursue the pearl of great price. Mm-hmm. It was at that point that we had nothing left. Everything had been sold in Alaska. Um, we don't have any money from the sale, but we have successfully made a move. And so now here we are and just kind of almost exactly as we anticipated, God was opening up doors, puppet stages getting made. God is putting people in our lives that are making that dream come true. You know, like with Dick Woltice and his ability to build the stage and Dennis Geisenhaver, um, you know, with the, the those first black lights that we had and Nadine Keach, you know, was an extra exceptional seamstress making all the curtains for the stage and so forth. I mean, God was putting people together. But other than those resources, we didn't have anything else. At that point, yes, we had sold everything. And so I think that's when perhaps in God's mind, He's saying, yep, they were committed. They were willing to do it. It was through some trial and testing and, you know, and things didn't go exactly as smooth as they liked. But yes, they were committed. They had stepped out of the boat. They are attempting to walk on water. Yep. And God is going to make that happen. And so, again, I think uh, it's important that we that the decisions that we make in our life, that we've got some biblical foundation for that. So it's not just us and the way we feel and the things we're thinking, because our minds and our bodies and so forth can guide us down the wrong path. Yeah. But God's word is going to be accurate and it's going to direct us. And so I'm so thankful for that passage, Matthew 13, 34, or 44 and 45, and what what's required once you find out what it is that God really put you here for. Yep. I love that 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 passage of scripture was what gave you the the courage to step out on faith and do that and to make that leap. And because so often that's what scripture is, is to remind us of who God is, uh, what he wants for us, what his desires are. And and it's an invitation. To, to step into that, to to walk with him and to trust him. And I also love that on the other side of this journey, scripture is what's giving you the reminder, the 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 that steady reminder of you did what you were asked, and that prize, that pearl of great price is is part of the deal. Yeah. You know, it's kind of amazing how God's word works. I mean, obviously we had read that passage of scripture. Who knows how many times over the years prior to that, but it didn't have that meaning mm-hmm. until we were praying and asking for God's direction. And then when you come across that passage of scripture, all, all of a sudden it takes a total new meaning and say, <laughs> wow, God put that here for me right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 God's good about that. He is. You know, the, Holy, yep. the Holy Spirit will direct us to the passage that we need and, uh, it's kind of a remarkable thing. Everybody yeah. needs to experience that on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I love how how that, that scripture is just so tightly, of course, connected with the kingdom of God. 
in the work that you've done to to partner in that kingdom for the last 50 years is evident that it's a reflection of just pursuing him and his word. That's awesome. I love hearing I love hearing those early seeds planted and how they've just shaped 50 years of of God honoring ministry. Yeah. But remember, I still got to put food on the table. And <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so we ta- we talked about, uh, you know, uh, the first thing I did is I saw that ad for selling uh, pictorial directory pictures. Well, that was a extremely low paying job <laughs> uh, commission with that. And so I had to find something else. And so uh, the best time to find a job is when you already have one. Yep. Um, if you're unemployed, um, most employers want to know why. Why aren't you doing something? And so while I'm selling pictorial church directory pictures, I'm I'm looking and uh, had some offers, um, took some of those offers. Um, one offer I had, I saw in the newspaper, that's where people would run ads quite often, you know, for help wanted. Uh, saw an ad in the paper and followed up on that, applied and was offered the job to be the manager of... Um, uh, kind of a, a, a was well, a convenience store. Okay. And this convenience store, whole chain of them in the Lansing area, and they're still there to the to this day. But a few of those stores had um, gas pumps. Hey, familiar territory. Yes. And well, anyway, so I was offered to be the manager of one of these places. I never managed a business like that in my life, and you know, and. And then they told me why they wanted me there. <laughs> and that's when I decided I didn't want to be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This particular location had um, a lot of theft going on. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It was not in a good part of town. And things were walking off the shelf and people were driving away from the pumps without paying and so forth. And they didn't know who it was. This was back before businesses had a lot of security cameras and everything. Mm -hmm. And so they weren't sure if it was people that were coming in and and they're open Mm 24-7. And so they didn't know if it's people that's coming in and just walking out of the store with stuff and and so forth. Or maybe it's employees. Sure. Who knows? Yeah. And so, uh, Sheldon, we want you to go in as the new manager. And you don't have to be there 24-7, but this store needs to know that you are the one in in charge. So you need to set up a feeling with all the other employees of respect and so forth so that when you are there, they're good. But when you're not there, they know that you're still the boss and you're still keeping an eye on things. And if it is somebody on the inside, we want you to find out who it is for us and Mm -hmm. fire them. (laughs) Yeah, sign me up for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> in this bad part of town, and you got somebody stealing, and you don't know who it is, and you want me to find out and fire them if it's somebody on the inside. Uh, if I wanted to put my life in jeopardy like that, I'd go back to being this counselor at this boy's ranch in Alaska. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. yeah, that doesn't sound like any fun at all. <laughs> anyway, so I, I, I did not take that job. Another one that I was offered that I did not take was, um, again, an ad in the paper. They wanted to um, hire a technician and teach them how to grind glass to make prescription glasses for people. Mm-hmm. 
again, it was kind of a local chain and you could go in and, you know, have your eyes checked, try on these frames and three or four days later, come back for your finished glasses. Well, they were expanded big time and they needed somebody to learn how to grind glass to make the prescriptions and put them in the frames so these people could. And I thought, wow, I've never done that. But I like working with my hands and so forth. I, I could probably do that. But if they're going to go to all this trouble training me, I mean, I'm not looking for a career. Right. I'm looking for something just to pay the bills until we can be full time in the puppet ministry. Mm-hmm. And I don't really feel it'd be fair to them to put all that time, effort, energy, money into training me when I know right from the get-go, I'm not going to be there very long. Yeah. And so even though that job sounded like it might be fun, I turned that one down because I'm thinking that wouldn't be fair to that employer. Um, Oh, I found another ad in the paper and I did take this one. Boy, was that stupid. There was a large department store right downtown Lansing. I mean, right in the center of town, big department store. And they had a problem too. Their problem was people would come into the store and buy these very expensive items that they sold and put it on, on credit there at the store, but then never pay their bills. And so they needed somebody to uh, be the bad guy, be the heavy, be the one to put some pressure on these people and get them pay their bills. (laughs) We'll pay you by the hour. You know, your job is to be making phone calls to these people, writing nasty letters to these people and everything else. And then if they do pay their bill, we'll give you a percentage of what they pay. So, you know, you got an hourly wage plus a a bonus for every dollar that you can get. But you got to put pressure on these people because the reason they're on this list is because they haven't paid their bills in, you know, six months to a year. Right. Yep. (laughs) Oh, my. That's not a fun job you know, for someone like me. Yeah, I like having fun with people and everything and to call them up and, you know, and tell them about all the nasty things you're going to do to them and send them these nasty letters, you know, and threaten to take this or that away and calling the police and, you know, you're going to sue them. I mean, nah, that was not a fun job, (laughs) but I did take that one for a while. Um, um, I've never been really too afraid of making phone calls and these people had bought things long before I ever showed up at the store. So they didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I guess I can be the bad guy and call them and write these nasty letters and maybe get some money. I didn't keep that job for, for very long. Um, again, it wasn't that high paying and it just didn't fit my personality. Um, but like I said, I, I've got to pay the bills and it, it helped with that. But meanwhile, I'm still looking. And it was during that time while I'm looking that I found what has proven to be over the years the number one best paying job that I ever had. I mean, all of a sudden we had more money than what it took to pay the bills. We had money left over and that money was going right directly into buying the supplies then for the puppet stage and and so Mm -hmm. forth. Um, But it was not an easy job and it was a miserable job, but my, oh my, did it pay good. It was at a drop forge there in Lansing. Now what's a drop forge? Well, they take steel, big chunks of steel, a steel brick that weighs like 300 pounds. Well, that was the heaviest ones that we did. The lightest ones was like 150 pounds. So you take this big chunk of steel and you put it in an oven and you stand there. Well, you have several of these 
and at a time, but you stand there and you watch them until they get red hot all the way through, and then you take them out. Now, you can't leave them in there too long, because if you leave them in there too long, they turn into liquid, and then you can't get them out. Mm -hmm. And then you have to shut the whole thing down, wait hours for it to cool off, and then you got to clean that molten steel out of there, which by then is hardened up. And and meanwhile, you've lost production. Well, production is auto parts. And you take this big chunk of steel out and you swing it over to a, another guy. And there's three guys on a, on a crew. And you swing it over to the other guy. And this guy has a huge hammer. We're, we're talking a drop press, right? Mm-hmm. It's a huge hammer. It's got a mold in there of the part that you want to make for this car. And then this humongous hammer comes dropping down on it and bashes that red hot steel and starts to force it into the mold. Well, it can't do all that on one strike. And so you push the button and the hammer goes way up in the air again. You release the button, it comes crashing down again. And you just keep repeating that several times until it's beat down into the mold. And then that guy takes all of it and swings it over to the next guy who he's got a mold that's exactly like the part. And when the parts come in there, when he pushes a button, these knives come down and they shear off all the extra steel that was pressed outside of the mold. And then from there, it goes into a bin, finished product, basically it still has to be cleaned up, polished and so forth. But uh, that's the only job that we did. And this is um, eight hour shifts. It's very noisy because there might have been a dozen of these drop forge things sure. in this factory it's and every one of them is yeah dropping the hammer on the steel and banging away and and so forth and you're standing next to this furnace well you'd rotate every um hour or two you know the, the three positions so you know i got to work all three positions and you just keep rotating through your shift that way but um when you're standing next to this furnace and everything, there's sparks and everything coming out. And this stuff is just blazing hot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got to be to m- melt the steel down like this. And so you're sweating like a pig and oh, you got to wear long underwear sure, underneath your blue jeans because these sparks are coming out and they're burning holes right through your blue jeans and right through your long underwear. <laughs> so you're getting burns on your hands and you got these big leather gloves on that come up to your armpit, you know, and to protect your arms. And I mean, it's, but my, does it pay good? <laughs> <laughs> it comes with a bit of hazard pay, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I ended up leaving there. I worked there for um, um, several months actually. And you had to do so many auto parts during a shift. Mm-hmm. If you did more than what you're required, you got paid extra. And so everybody that's there is like working as hard as they possibly can. Cause you know, you got to do the minimum, but we get paid extra for everything that we do over that. Yep. And so like I said, every crew is just really working hard the entire time. And so here we are working hard, And a guy from another crew comes over while I'm standing there at the furnace. And at least while you're standing there at the furnace, you just had to keep an eye on these bricks, you know, make sure they don't turn into liquid. But other than that, you're just standing there waiting until it gets hot enough and take that one out so you can put the next one in. So there's a little bit of downtime. And a guy from one of the other crews comes over, older guy, walks right up to me, puts his face right in my face. 
I have no idea who this guy is. And he has this stern look in his face and he says, take off your gloves. Okay. So I take my gloves off. Show me your hands. Okay. So I show him my hands. He takes his gloves off. He says, look at my hands. Why don't you get out of here while you still have fingers left? Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, he was missing two or three. Yep. <laughs> well, um, at break time, I gave him my two weeks notice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the only thing the guy said to me. And he turned around, and went back to work. <laughs> yeah. You can remember those hands and fingers to do some puppets. <laughs> yes. Remember what I said, how God will use other people to direct you in the path that you're supposed to go. <laughs> yep. Yep. So he used this guy, which I'm guessing might've been a heathen. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You know, he was certainly a, a hard couth guy, but nevertheless, um, God used him to tell me that if you stay around here long enough, you're going to be missing spears. Yep. That just kind of comes with the territory. Yeah. It's a good paying job, but no, you're going to need those hands uh, to do puppets. And so, um, like I said, I gave my two weeks notice. And during that two weeks, I'm thinking, okay, what would be the perfect job for me? I mean, yeah, I want to be full-time in the ministry, but between now and then, what would be the perfect job? Well, remember when I was in the Air Force, I worked in the operating room and I loved it. Mm -hmm. Why am I? If I could work in a civilian operating room, I mean, that's a clean job. I mean... You're going from factory work where you're going to lose some fingers to working in a sterile environment. <laughs> yeah. Talk about from one extreme to another. But uh, yeah. And with that, I'd be helping people. And I'm not putting pressure on them to pay their bills or anything. And I'm trying to save their life, you know, stomping out disease here and so forth. And so um, I went to one of the local hospitals and went to their um, um, personnel department. And I said, I need a full-time job temporarily. I said, what do you mean? I says, well, I'm working on putting together a puppet ministry. We want to be full-time in that, but uh, we're not there yet. Uh, we've got this stage that uh, we're finishing up and I've got some meetings lined up, but uh, it's going to take some time. And so I need a full-time job temporarily. Now I just turned in my two weeks notice over here at the factory. And I promise you, I will not leave you without giving at least a two week notice. And they said, well, what can you do? And I had a copy of my um, DD-214 with me from the military that says, hey, Sergeant Rhodes is a surgical technician. He's done this, 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 and this, and this. And so I gave him a copy of that. And they said, can you start on Monday? <laughs> this was on a Friday. I said, um, it'll have to be um, during this certain shift because I'm still working at the factory over here for the next two weeks. And they're saying, we're okay with that. <laughs> and so... Um, for the next two weeks, I held down two full-time jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, one quick side story on that um, uh, before we end this session is, uh, like I said, this was on a Friday. They said, can you start on Monday? I said, sure. And so on Monday, I'll be working at the hospital. I'll be working in the operating room. Monday, for all practical purposes, I will have some medical coverage for the first time since we've been married. <laughs> We had two babies without any insurance or anything else and, and so forth. But now I'm going to be working at the hospital and they've got a plan, you know, basically that the hospital takes care of you, you know, and your family as part of your pay. And so I'm thinking this is going to, like I said, if there was a perfect job for me, this was going to be it. So Sunday morning, remember tomorrow, Monday, I started at the hospital Sunday morning, getting ready to go to church and our youngest 
which was our son, Kedron, <laughs> falls and hits his head on the corner of the banister. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. And I'm looking at it and, okay, I've worked operating room. I've worked emergency room. And I'm looking at this cut on this kid's head. And I'm thinking, you know, it really could use some stitches. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I know where the hospital is at. And so uh, we make a trip to the hospital, um, emergency room, instead of going to church that morning. And, um, of course, they want to know what you have for insurance. Mm-hmm. I says, well, tomorrow I start working here, but today I don't have anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But God provided, and uh, even that bill got taken care of. But I thought, <laughs> daggone it, why couldn't that kid wait one more day before he trips and falls? <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah, so sometimes uh, uh, timing and planning you know, don't always coincide with the way we'd like. But <laughs> That's a true story. It certainly is. So let's park it there. Yeah, that's a, that's a great place to park it. All right, well, look forward to picking this up again next week. This is Grandpa Wisely. You know, life is my college. May I graduate well and earn some honors.